and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Uh, I'm joined by a fellow champion, co-host Alex Wong. What's going on? MVP as well. Let's, let's get the shot of him biting uh, what looks to be a homemade trophy. And uh, we're also joined by uh, Blake Murphy. Oh, what's the what's the coach from the losing team doing uh, here today? I thought it was winners winners only on Mondays. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Okay, I didn't lose anything. Uh, this is uh, this is wins and lessons. Oh, okay. You know what? Uh, we're joined by Ty Lu from the Cavs. <laughs> you know what? Respect that. Now, shouts to um, you know everybody from from TMU for organizing the sport media game. I know we talked a lot about uh, the event leading up to. We're actually going to have since our our bosses are away uh, this week. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I'm aware. So you know uh, we are running wild in this asylum, and um, it, tomorrow's uh, tank, asylum? tomorrow's tank top Tuesday. Yeah, because, because Toman and, and Fabra won't be watching. <laughs> we're running so wild, we're just sending Will home tomorrow. Yeah, I'm just randomly off tomorrow's show. <laughs> you need uh, a day off, brother. You know, I might use my time to have ramen with Utah. Yeah, possibly. You know, possibly. But, but yeah, so yeah. In, in, in the second hour, we're actually going to have Jerome Chang and uh, Karina Mustafa joining us to do a whole segment about the charity game. But, but first, by the way, yeah. the, the MVP chain is homemade. I believe Abigail said she made it. She, she was the yeah, sideline was reporter in, for the event. It was in her dorm. She made it in her dorm room uh, mm-hmm. the night before. When I bit on it after the game, definitely still could smell the glitter. So, yeah. Yeah, the it's glitter. Like the you're brushing, tournament court. You you're brushing your paint. teeth later and, and glitter's coming off. But, yeah, you know, we, we got we to gotta cover um, a real game, some real games to start. And the Raptors... Lost last night in Cleveland, um, you know, uh, two 8-8 eight and eight teams just going at it. Mm. You know, Raptors led by double digits at the end of the first half. Really a game of runs. Uh, Max Drews with 20 in the third quarter alone. Tristan Thompson with a cameo. Uh, Darius Garland was amazing kind of there down the stretch. And then Gary dribbled into the corner and stepped out of bounds. And, uh, yeah, that was a ball game. So uh, where shall we start, my brothers? Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's start on the final play. Sure. Uh, Because I I think Darko had drawn up a really good one, Mm. um, to get Dennis an open corner three. Uh, Scotty got downhill from a dribble handoff from OG, kicked it to Dennis in the corner, and that took it from a four-point game to a one-point game. By, by the way, Scotty yeah. on that one with a really nice – he did like a little a little shoulder fake like he was going to go right, uh-huh. and that's why I think it was Tristan. Was it Tristan or Mo- Mobley maybe? Anyway, whoever was Scotty's man is dropped beneath that that screen, mm-hmm. and Scotty does a little shoulder fake this way, and he bites on it. And then when Scotty goes left, that's why the the help defense has to suck in. They didn't want to help off of that corner on the strong side, but his man got caught leaning the wrong way because of that nice little nice little shoulder fake. Yeah, um, you know, great subtlety to get that three. But then the next possession, when the Raptors need another three after coming out the timeout. Um, that's when they got the ball into Dennis in the post and, uh, you know, pitched it back out to Gary who ran to the ball and ultimately couldn't get any space. Um, a, a couple questions, Blake, I, maybe I'll ask you here. Why inbound the ball to Dennis in that scenario? Isn't he one of your best shooters? Yeah, so my guess is that the if they ran this quicker, because one of the issues is it took too long. I don't know if Gary hit his mark a little too late or whatever, but Dennis is definitely standing in that post position way too long Mm, for that play to unfold. And that's why Jared Allen is draped all over Gary Trent by the time he catches the ball. So I think one is probably 
the second read on that is once Gary gets the ball, Dennis probably gets a flare screen up top. So Gary has a safety valve because Gary had nothing to do with it. Once Jared Allen cut him off, Mm -hmm. it would be weird to design that play without someone coming to Gary as a like, okay, you're going to have to rush this, but here you go. So my guess is there was a second piece of that play where Dennis flares back up after he gets off the ball, but it took too long uh, to get off the ball. Um, That's my guess at it but yes I think more traditionally you would have Pascal or Scotty in that spot because they're both very good post passers um why you didn't I mean you want one of them on the inbound I I guess uh you want one of them to be the screener because there's a threat there but in that situation where you absolutely need a three I don't think the Cavs were gonna bite on you know like and even if they bid on it you know, the Scotty fake DHO keeper from the other day, like, okay, you have no timeouts left. A quick two does nothing. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I thought that was um, maybe a little bit of a mistake in deployment in terms of who was passing out of the post. But my best guess is there was something else to that play that we never got to. Okay. And then the second part of my question there is, um, okay, why run it for Gary in particular? Because Gary, I think, was one of six from three. He had missed a wide-open corner three earlier in the fourth quarter, which was a much more open shot, and he was unable to convert, that would have cut the lead from five to two. And I understand that the Raptors are limited for shooting, for sure, but why Gary in particular with that play? He's their only movement shooter, really. Like, OG is their best three-point shooter. I think we have enough of a sample at this point to say that, but OG is uh, almost strictly a a stationary catch-and-shoot guy. He can hit that little one-dribble sidestep, whatever, Um, but for the most part, OG is most successful stationary. And then Dennis has really extreme splits of, is he just catch-and-shooting from the top Mm -hmm. versus is he off the move, is he off the dribble? So uh, my guess is even on a shaky Gary Trent night, he's their number one guy they trust for a movement three. Fair enough. I guess we didn't have a Max Drews. No, we didn't have a Max Drews. And, and I, like, who's your next best shooter, Malachi? Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, man, it's looking bleak already, man. <laughs> um, But, like, yeah, I think a game like that, obviously, you know, game went back and forth. A couple of things we can pick out and talk about. And I think the thing that most interests me that I see here in a rundown is, is kind of the Scotty and Bench lineups um, that Darko has been trying. And, and obviously, we saw a bit of that last night. Um, Yeah, Blake, it's... uh. The numbers are are not looking great here, man. Yeah, they are uh, Memphis bleak. They are oh, no, they are bro. real bad, and I mean that as a Memphis Ooh. bleak reference. And uh, they're as bleak as the Grizzlies reference. Uh, oh wow, there's layers this to this thing. Like a quadruple on <laughs> Don't even ask me how. Um, Hard. Yeah. Look, <laughs> yeah, uh, Derek, are you here today? <laughs> um, okay. So on the season now, we have 87 minutes of Scotty playing with four bench players. Mm-hmm. They are they have a minus twenty eight net rating. Okay, that mm. is like unfathomably bad for any series of lineups that get to play eighty seven minutes together. Usually, if you're that bad, you you move away from it. Now mm-hmm. the pieces have mixed in and out. It's been you know a little bit of uh, okay. Well, maybe it's Jaden, maybe it's Otto, maybe it's uh, Boucher and, and Achua. You know, Malachi Flynn is or isn't in those lineups. Oh, there, there have been different iterations, but nothing has really worked. Mm. And this is not a knock on Scotty because. They are, I assume they're using these lineups because they want Scotty to get reps carrying a lesser unit. Longer term, if you look at what a good version of this team looks like, he's going to have to pick up guys like that. But the pieces are so ill-fitting around him where there is not a lot of shooting. A lot of times they have run that lineup 
actually without Gary too, because they're trying to get 10 guys into the rotation. So Gary comes back out and re-enters with the starters later, and it ends up being Barnes with Flynn and then three kind of forward types. Sometimes it's auto, probably not enough. It's auto. Um, that little bit of like stabilizing factor could help that little extra bit of shooting. Uh, and then it's at least two, sometimes three of McDaniels, Boucher and Achua. Now, I don't think anyone would draw up a lineup like that. That makes a ton of sense. So, so already, you know, one box we can check here is it lines up with what we would expect, what our priors would have been. Um, I also think even if it makes sense long-term to give Scotty some of these reps to see what he can develop in these situations. The fact that the pieces don't fit have made things difficult on Scotty in a couple of different ways. There isn't enough passing in transition to, to really keep the transition game going. You know, we used to see with some of the Raptors best post championship bench groups, it was all about forcing turnovers and then running. Mm -hmm. Well, this group is not as well suited to run and pass on the fly. Um, you don't have enough shooting really for Scotty to operate out of the post the way Pascal sometimes does when he takes over, even the way Jakob does in the high post sometimes when you're running some of those motion sets. There just isn't enough playmaking and shooting around that. Um, and the result is you get plays like yesterday. Will, I know you clipped some of the, the first half ones of Scotty in the bench where he's got, he doesn't have a chance. The Cavs are too big, they have too many good defenders, and there's just, there's not a lot of space. It, basically, Scotty's primary option is pull up shooting. And he's better at that this year, but like that is if that it has to be his number one option, that lineup is not optimized around him. The other thing is in the second half, we saw one where I think he's got Mobley and they, he tries to get a pick and roll going. And Allen is just not respecting. I forget who set the screen. It's probably precious, but Allen is just not respecting it. So Scotty is trying to drive with Evan Mobley, a top 10 defender in the league as his primary man. And then just behind and off to his dominant hand sign, Jared Allen, who is also a seven-footer, is there. So if Scotty goes dominant hand around that pick to the to the side of the pick. He has Mobley trying to recover, maybe rear view contesting, and he's got to finish over Jared Allen. So his only option really is either that pull-up or he goes left on Mobley and Allen slides over for help. There are zero to two players in the NBA who could do anything with that kind of defensive coverage. Yeah. Maybe KD could shoot over it. Maybe LeBron could find a way to do something with it. But for the most part, that is just not something guys are going to be able to score against. The result of this is Scotty does have higher usage with those bench groups. That's a positive. We want to see him in that role more. His true shooting percentage when OG and Siakam aren't on the floor with him drops below 40%. Mm. And again, this isn't meant as a knock on Scotty. That to me is a lineup construction stat where he is the only guy on the floor that defenses care about. And he's getting, if it's not a hard double, it's the closest thing to it, and all the defensive attention is going his way. Right now, those lineups are not only not effective, I don't think they're putting Scotty in the best situation to succeed. Yeah. You got to do better, fam. I mean, honestly, Darko, you really do with this group because you could look at everything through two lenses, right? Like, is it good for winning right now? Uh, you know, and also if it's good for development long term. Um, this is like. What they're doing with these lineups around Scotty, it's kind of like uh, it's that it's that it's that meme tweet that goes around. I just asked my landlord to raise my rent. Yeah. That's how much I enjoy the grind or whatever. Like how much I believe in my grind. Yeah, yeah. like the grind is it's a little bit too much in this case because again, you watch some of those minutes and and I, I sequence together I think nine straight possessions to begin the fourth quarter or it's the second quarter before uh, Darko mercifully put some other uh, starters back into the game, but. They just weren't able to generate any advantages. Like it's like Malachi running a pick and roll with Precious. You know that's not going to go anywhere. It's Scotty trying to isolate against Isaac Okoro, who did a really good job guarding him yesterday. Created no advantages. Scotty taking a pull up three 
uh, which he was able to beat the buzzer and knock down a three over Niang, and that looked good. Next trip down, he takes a quick pull-up three, and it, it clanks out. Like, it's stuff like that where it's like you have you go through an entire probably six-minute stretch, and you don't get one single quality look in that whole time. There's one play where Scotty's bringing the ball up, and he points to Chris Boucher, and he tells him, hey, duck in because you got Darius Garland on you. And he oh, puts the goodness. ball into the post yeah. to Chris Boucher. Now, Honestly, this is one of the funnier running subplots for me all season is watching like, okay, so Chris Boucher would run in and he'll try to duck in and, and get a post mismatch against Smalls. Something that, you know, OG does, something that Scotty does, something that uh, uh, Pascal does a ton on this team. But nobody ever gives Chris the ball in that scenario, <laughs> no matter who's guarding him. Even if it's Darius Garland, who's like a six foot two guard against 6'11 Chris Boucher, he never gets the ball. Except in this instance, Scotty's like, okay, I'm going to give you the ball. Not only that, I want you to be in that spot so that you can receive this ball. The ball goes to Chris. Scotty tries to cut off ball, maybe get something open. And Chris decides, yeah, it's my time to go, man. It's time for me to do a Pascal spin move and then spin to the baseline and, and throw up a lefty jump hook. And, and, of course, that didn't go in. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how this helps Scotty's development long term. Uh, I don't see that this helps any of this development of the players in that unit long term, whether that's Malachi or Precious. And I don't see how this is at all conducive to competing. So what you need to do is shuffle the lineups here. And I think that when you're looking at the Raptors, there's a couple of different ways to create offense. I think for me, I want to see the first subs be Jakob and Dennis. And then they come in to start the second quarter, start the fourth quarter. And you can run that central pick and roll action between those two as sort of your, you know, connecting kind of like ethos on offense for a second unit. Uh, what that would mean is that you would leave probably Scotty, Pascal, OG on the floor longer in the first and in the, in the third quarters. I'm totally cool with that. Those three guys play really well together. Um, but when it's out there, what's just Scotty trying to attack against the whole defense? A, he doesn't have the skill set to do that right now to create advantages all the time. And B, none of the other guys are creating anything alongside of him. So, yeah, it's, it's a real problem. It's it's ugly to watch right now. Chinese so, Darko Ryakovich. <laughs> oh, uh, brother. All right, Derek, I know you're here. <laughs> uh, I have a couple things off of that. The first one is, so Chris Boucher has played 321 games as a Toronto Raptor. How many possessions do you think he's he has finished via the post up? Three hundred and twenty. Oh, I thought you were gonna ask me how many times has he jumped on George's Niang pump fakes. Oh, there was quite it, a few. The yesterday. number's probably the same. Oh, George's Niang was like a puppeteer, man. Yeah. It was it was tough. Um, how many times has Chris Boucher scored on the post up? Three hundred and twenty one games. I would say like fifty. Twenty two. Twenty two. Wow. That's, and that's just attempts. That's not even scoring. Oh, that's, that is how oh. many times he has tried to score out of a post-up. Do we have the, the makes out of a post-up? Uh, I have. He's scored 26 points on those 22 post-ups. Okay. I don't wow. have the exact field goal yeah. shooting. Wow. That's the... I mean, look, that's just not his skill. You know, that's, that's not his like specific role. But I think yeah. everyone kind of looks a little bit confused. Because I think what that group is begging out for is for somebody to like take over, really create most of the action in the offense, and then eventually when that doesn't... You know, uh, when that action needs to be stopped, that's where someone else is open. Because the rest of them, those guys are basically just like feeders. They're not creators. And you mentioned Nyang and like, I mean, the broadcast was openly joking. Alvin was calling him his guy. They were kind of having fun with how yeah. poor a defender is. He might be the worst defensive player who is in an NBA rotation right now. Mm. And in those bench units, they weren't able to take advantage of it. Yeah. You can't, like, like you obviously. You can stash him on Precious. You can stash him on Chris. You can stack him on Otto. If Scotty got... Niang in space or in the post, yeah. that's going to work. But when he is the worst defender on the floor and you have four spots you can hide him, mm -hmm. you can't really do anything well, with that. Well, I mean, that's where I would challenge for Scotty to just be like, okay, forget whatever plays I'm going to run. 
Uh, if, if Niang's guarding Chris, Chris, you're coming up the screen for me. Yeah. If Niang's guarding Precious, Precious, you're coming to screen for me. If Niang's guarding Otto, Otto, you're coming to screen for me. That's what these heliocentric stars do. And that's yeah. ultimately what people want him to become. He, I wonder if he's too selfless at times in those. Like, his usage goes up in those lineups for okay. sure. Yeah. But I do wonder if that's, you know, he's trying to stick to the plan and... Um, you know, that's something we'd have to ask him about a little bit. But I'd imagine that that's a big mentality shift, too, mm. of how you play with the starters versus how you play with that bench group. Um, anyway, he's he's learning. It, it'll get better. So in terms of your rotation suggestion, Will, so Schroeder and Jakob being the first guys to come out instead of Scotty, and then they come back in and they run a little bit of that second unit. We really haven't seen that much. Um, what that would also do for us is we've only seen nine minutes this year of the Scotty OG Pascal trio that we know is is very effective together without Dennis and Jakob. Mm -hmm. We've seen it a little bit with Gary in place of one of them, but usually the other guy is in there. I want to see more of that anyway. I think that could yeah, be sure, a really yeah. effective group. Whether it's Scotty at the five, whether in those groups you could just hide Precious's weaknesses a little bit better, a yeah. little bit better. If, even if it's Boucher in that spot, um, I, I would like to see a little bit more of that for sure. Um, the one thing I guess is that it would get away from, and this is a small sample thing as well, but the number three most effective lineup in the entire NBA, mm -hmm. minimum 50 minutes this year, is that group when Gary comes in. And Scotty is the first man out. And again, that's not a negative on Scotty. That is the Raptors are playing four starters as other teams bring in bench pieces. And Gary adds a little bit of shooting there. Again, small sample. That's been the number three lineup in all of basketball. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's going to be some options uh, there for, for Darko to sort of play around with. Because, like, look, if he wants to play 10 guys, this is kind of what he has to do. He has well, to manage the rotation. That's the question that flows from that, Alex. Can you even play 10 guys if you're having these issues with, with your, your bench pieces and how they all fit together? No, man. I think with the Scotty and Bench thing, I almost feel like the front office just wants to take a look to see if Scotty can actually prop these guys up. But, like, does it like give no... you any value to find out if Scotty can prop up four guys, only two of whom should probably be in an NBA rotation well, when you're ready to win? This, this, this is my challenge to the front office is, like, get better players around your franchise guy. Like, Scotty's already in his third year. He's obviously shown, you know, taking the steps this year. Uh, and, you know, become, you know, a more consistent player, like taking it to another level, like the clock is always ticking on these things too, right? Like it's not like, it's not like you have like an infinite amount of time. It's like, extension I, talk time this summer. Yeah, I don't think they've done anything. And maybe Scotty didn't earn it last year in terms of like, oh, we're going to think about the whole structure of the team around you. But we know how much the front office has valued Scotty, um, you know, in trade talks and all this stuff. Like, have they done anything in these three years to really put a team that really like kind of like accentuates like his skill set? Because I don't think they've done that. I mean, drafting Grady would be the sure. piece that they're trying to do with that long term. They're because like he's... they're like two shooters away from being two shooters away, man. Yeah, like this is what they are. Like they don't have. Like I look at these. I pulled up all these other box scores from last night mm -hmm. just to look at other bench like units. Like you look at Boston. I know. I know what I'm getting from like a shooter like Sam Hauser coming off the bench, like. Emmanuel quickly on, like, the Knicks. Like, is Gary supposed to be that for us? Because we're not getting that every night. Like, Cole Anthony's dropping 30 off the bench for the Magic. Yeah, that was like, wild. Like, where's all this? And, and listen, man, like, Cole Anthony, these guys aren't scoring 30 a night. But, like, where are these performances coming from? From Chris Boucher, from Precious, from Malachi. Like, I love the Malachi story. It's great. He's getting more hugs this year than last year <laughs> his per 30 <laughs> hugs per 36 no but it's like but sure. it's like we, we just gotta be realistic like like the talent the talent discrepancy is just crazy especially when the second unit comes in and the raptors are like you know a 500 team as we expected 
And they're not good enough to like just punt away like a three minute stretch in the second quarter. Yeah, like, well, that's how you lose games. There's generally two types of bench units that really succeed. There's like uh, hustle guys that come in and play around like a heliocentric star mm-hmm. who like steal that cr- word from Wolfon, bro. Creates all the <laughs> creates all the plays and and does all the shooting, and everyone else just plays defense and maybe hits an open three. And, and that was them. kind of the Kyle Lowry model. Not that Kyle was heliocentric, yeah, yeah, sure. but he mm-hmm. was like a pure organizer, right? Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. had everyone, and he was constantly talking to everyone. And those groups just played a ton of defense and often won their shifts like six to two over four minutes. I'm fine with that. I'll yeah. take six to two, man. That I, was the bench mob mold as well. Like those lineups yeah. did not score very right. much. You just could not score on them if you were an opposing bench. The bench mob is a good example of the, the other type, which is that you have such a great system that you're able to rely on your execution mm-hmm. in that system to overcome some of your talent limitations. The Raptors kind of have neither right now. The bench mob played as a five-man unit too. You know what I mean? Like they had the skill sets, complemented each other. Yeah, sure. And, and I it's, never I mean, they also had way better players, man. It was yeah. like oh, the yeah, bench yeah, mob yeah. was precious, Chris. It was like, it was like uh, future NBA like starters in there. Fred, like, yeah, DeLon, Fred there. Like, and CJ. Like yeah. Those are all like long-term guys who have had 10-year careers yeah. at this point. Now. Yeah, also the bench mob year, which had Pascal and Fred and, and CJ, DeLon, Yak, yeah. was the five-man bench mob. It was only like the second time in NBA history that we have lineup data for where a five-man bench unit was really effective over a big sample. Like right. it just like yeah. that it is such an outlier uh, in terms of its yeah. effectiveness. But I, I get what you're saying. Like, we can think back to, and I'm sorry to bring this up, the 2016, 2017, 2018 playoff series against the Cavs where the Cavs leaned so heavily on LeBron plus four bench guys to kind of get them, you know, Kyrie's going to sit down, Kevin mm. Love's going to sit down. Um, we can always just lean on LeBron. And those guys weren't like insanely good players, but Del Vadova, RJ, Channing Fry, I forget who the other one was that was in there. I got um, chills. Yeah. But like those guys were just like really well suited to work around yeah. a LeBron high post initiated offense. Yeah. It's like a lot of shooting. Everyone but Channing Fry could defend like crazy. Yeah. Love yeah. slandering Channing Fry too. Um hey. Cha- Channing Fry <laughs> no, over but, here with but the But a game like award. last night, and we talk about this at the start of the season. If Nick Nurse ran his six man rotation last night, these are the games you win last night. You could win the games like this last night, but this you is the trade-off. You probably could. If you played all your starters yeah, 40 but, minutes, you win the But Scotty game. played no 33 doubt. minutes. Yeah, OG played 34. This you, is the trade-off, right? Yeah. This is the trade-off, but the trade-off is not worth it because what are we developing um, off the bench? Like, this is I don't, the thing. These guys aren't necessarily – like Otto Porter and Chris Boucher are not young pieces, yeah. right? Um, Otto Porter is a pending free agent. Although it, that, that's Otto Porter to me is honestly like kind of the canary in the coal mine of this win now versus develop balance mm. because like – He's a pending free agent who's not going to re-sign as 30 years old. Yeah. Like, why is he in the rotation if all you're doing is developing? And if all you're trying to do is win right now, why isn't he in the rotation? Because yeah. you win the minutes that he plays most often. Yeah, so. and we were talking about this off air too. Like, Otto, Otto is, like, very steady when he's out there. Um, and it's an indictment on the whole bench that, like, Otto just... Sometimes not like not doing nothing, but like just being not taking anything off the table. The absence of negatives yeah, makes him like the best bench player on most nights, like off the bench, and that's such a low bar for the second unit. Yeah, the bar is literally zero. Uh, real, real quickly before we before we go, two things. Um, number one, I just looked it up. Chris Boucher is actually older than Otto Porter. Oh, okay. Yeah, by by Wait. six months. Oh, they're both nineteen ninety three. Thirties. Yeah, Chris okay. is January eleventh, yeah. and Otto is June third. Damn, Otto's uh, got to call Chris vet. <laughs> yeah, I never thought that ever. <laughs> the other thing too is so Max Drews went off in the third quarter, scored twenty points. Yeah, and I just wanted to quickly yes run through some of the errors that went into it because um, when you allow a, a player like Max Drews to score twenty in a yeah. quarter, 
there has to be a lot of breakdowns. No offense to Max Struess, but this is not exactly like Clay Thompson goes for 37 or like Carmelo scores 30 in a quarter. You know what I mean? Like it's not that type of – he's not that type of player. So mm-hmm. when you look back through the film, it's like back-to-back leak-out layups to start the second half. Darko has to call a timeout to be like, what are you guys doing? That's just basic floor balance. You can't let him just streak out. Uh, then you got a mixed box out by Scotty, who doesn't box out Struess under the basket for a putback. Malachi checks into the game because Dennis picks up his fourth foul with like 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Malachi comes in, and the first possession, Max Struess back cuts him for a layup. Also no help at the rim either, but that's pretty terrible. Uh, then you got, you know, Pascal and Malachi both overhelping on a Donovan Mitchell drive, and that leaves Struess open in the corner. He knocks down a three. You got a baseline out-of-bounds play where uh, Struess is curling around two screens. Pascal's trying to fight through both. Obviously, you're not going to beat two screens as a 6-9-4 trying to fight through. So what you need is a switch in that moment. Precious falls asleep, doesn't do anything to help. He's the one who needs to help, allows Struess to get an open corner three with that. Uh, another DHO involving Tristan Thompson this time. And Pascal, again, tries to fight through the screen, but he can't get around Tristan Thompson. That's where Precious, once again, needs to show help for the three. Doesn't do that. Struess gets another three. And the very end, Struess gets a pretty, pretty contested three from Malachi. But Malachi is only so tall, and Struess is absolutely on fire at that point. To me, it's just like, if you don't hammer out the details for the Raptors, like, okay, we could talk about the skill issue, the fit issue, the roster issues, whatever. But if you don't actually nail some of these basics, and again, we're talking about a mixed box out. We're talking about two leak out layups. We're talking about a back cut. We're talking about three instances of failing to switch. Then you're not going to win games. You know, like the, the margins are pretty thin for the Raptors. And listen, you make one fewer mistake, you could have won that game. But ultimately, all pretty much 17 of 20 of Struess's points in the th- third quarter were completely avoidable. And the Raptors just didn't execute. Yeah. Um, it's and, tough. It's not a case of a superstar just beating no, exactly. you, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And look, Struess is a really good shooter. Obviously, he got paid this offseason. The Cavs thought he was the piece to take them over mm-hmm. for a reason. He can do that. He can get that hot. But we'll just outline a number of ways. You could have at least made it so... He had to score 20 points on 10 field goal attempts that were all difficult and he was just hitting insane shots. Yeah. yeah. These, these were not those. And like Max Struess is not the type of, and look, most of these were against combination bench units. Um, you, He is not the type of guy that you should be looking at. And it's like, well, Max Struess is hot. So we have to take OG Ananobi off of Donovan Mitchell to yeah, cool yeah. off Max oh. Struess. You're, like that's a win for the Cavaliers offense. If you have to do that, it has to be role player stepping up versus role player. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you talk about margin of error, um, and we can start on this after the break. Let's talk about the Raptors as a terrible free-throw shooting (laughs) team, and then I want to tap in on some in-season tournament drama from Friday as well, maybe a little around the NBA. So let's let's do that after the break. Okay, we're going to take this break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sports Radio Network. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsline Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Continue to be joined with my co-hosts, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. Uh, Alex, you are running point. So what, what you got here for me? Quick shout out to uh, Neil Joshi, UT Scarborough crew. I was able to go back to uh, the UT Scarborough campus today as an alum for the first time since I graduated from 2007. And um, we have some fans in the faculty as well. Um, 
Um, shout outs to Mike Hillier. Hope I pronounced your name right. Uh, was able to meet your um, your wife today. I think it's Sharon or Shannon. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> you should have just not said the <laughs> oh name, man. You gotta just leave that uh, at your and, wife. Uh, she told me how much you love the movie Hitch. Hey. Um, I filmed a video message for you as well, so hopefully you'll be getting that tonight. So um, appreciate you, my brother. Um, back good, to the good to know that real art lovers. Yeah. Uh, Shouts to UTSC, man. Um, anyways, the Raptors are terrible from the free throw line, guys. Um, they attempted 29 free throws last night to Cleveland's six. And per Kurtika of the other network, uh, the Raps shot 20 of 29. And this was the ninth time that they've shot below 70% at the free throw line this season. The most such games by any team in the NBA this season. Uh, yeah, guys, speaking of margin of error, like they got to make their free throws, man. Yeah, they are 28th in free throw percentage. They're a tiny like third significant digit fraction better than the New York Knicks and the only team worse than those, somehow the defending champions. So the Denver what? Nuggets proving that oh. uh, you don't need to hit free throws to be very, very good. Uh, the Raptors are at 72.7%. That is uh-huh. obviously not an acceptable number. Yeah. It's way off the league average, which is 78.2%. Um, and, you know, we don't you don't really need numbers to know that you got to make your free throws. But look, teams who get a 20 free throw advantage edge in a game mm-hmm. have to win. Mm-hmm. Like you they, to. they yeah. were five and one on the season entering, entering last night's game. Actually the only team that had had a 20 free throw advantage edge and lost so far this season was the bucks when the Raptors hammered them. And that was like, obviously a very weird bucks team and night. And, and you know, last year league wide team, those teams went 21 and 10. That's not perfect, but like you got a two and three better than a two and three chance of winning. If you've got a 20 free throw attempt advantage, Mm-hmm. That tells you, you know, that's, it's not universally this, but that generally tells you you're doing a better job getting into high danger spaces, getting into the paint, making a defense uncomfortable. You know, it, it's usually not randomness or bad officiating that you get a, a free throw advantage that significant. So that tells me that you were doing a lot of good stuff and left the positive outcomes on the table. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes up in like really memorable moments, you know, like for example, at the end of the Pacers game, Gary gets fouled, goes to the foul line misses both, you know, and that didn't hurt the Raptors because the Pacers missed their last second shot. But imagine if they made it, uh, the, the, the mm-hmm. vitriol would have been, uh, you know, magnitudes and higher. Even know? something like, like, and I, I don't want to pick on him or, or Darko in this case, but OG shot a technical free throw. Yeah, that OG was strange. shooting 60% on free throws this year. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me how they're choosing to decide who takes the technical free throws. Like, th- again, there's two... General approaches that I think make some sense. Number one is just the one that I would go with is just whoever is the highest percentage on free throws, they shoot the free throws. So Dennis is your free throw shooter. So Dennis was, I think, on the floor for that one that OG shot, or either him or Malachi was on the floor. Regardless, those two guys have the highest free throw percentages. They should shoot that free throw. Um, If not that, then your star player shoots your free throw for you. So, like, Mm. for example, LeBron is typically not the best free throw shooter on his team, but he'll shoot the free throws. Because that's one of those old school things. It's like the star player takes the, the tactical free throws. Yeah. In this case, OG is neither. <laughs> and so it, it, it's, it's confusing me. But, you know, we actually have a, a, a clutch free throw uh, specialist here <laughs> in Alex. Oh, Wong. coming up coming up in the 3 p.m. hour. Inspired yeah. by the Korean Basketball League. Bank all your free throws, kids. Uh, um, yeah. Do you have any tips on, on, on making foul shots? Um, absolutely not. Just don't feel the pressure. That's it, man. Wow. Just, just, you know, like it's, it's just a game. It's just a game. Like it's, <laughs> hard. It's really just a game. Like it's not that serious. Um, you know, we're, we're skipping ahead, but it's like, you gave me a great tip 
on on Saturday because like you know I missed my first three uh, free throws of the game, and and Will you just told me to like line my left foot up you know straight towards the basket and when I shoot it just aim like in the same kind of direction. On that last free throw that I made to to tie the game at the end of regulation, all I was trying to do was shoot the ball straight, mm. just shoot it straight and give it a chance. Yeah. And you shot it. Oh, you overshot it by like two feet, <laughs> but it didn't matter because it hit the backboard because it was straight. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. So, no, it's, it's tough. I mean, like obviously the Raptors lost, uh, you know, a lot of the game on this. But I, I think to me, it's just like it was a sloppy loss, man. All the stuff that we talked about, yeah. giving but, up the twenty to Strews, mm-hmm. the bench being terrible again. Like you know that late game execution, the free throws. Like, that's a lot in, like, a th- what was it, a three-point loss? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of stuff, man. Well, I mean, it's it's funny because if the Raptors had just pulled out the win last night, we'd be in here talking about, man, OG's defense on Donovan Mitchell was so yeah. good. Yeah. And, like, you know, Jakob Perto was amazing. You know, and we just didn't talk about this but, at all but so far. This is because of one bucket. This is kind miss. of what I think Alex's yeah. point is: is like you are not good enough you're to not. leave stuff on the table no, like that. Right, and right. and no, you know, right. this the, we're, what we're talking about: these little things that turn that change the discussion the morning after are the difference mm-hmm. between a forty win team and a forty five or forty eight win mm-hmm. team, right? Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. you pull games like that out, and the free throw thing, I just like, I really don't understand. Like, like they don't profile as an elite free throw shooting team, but Pascal's 77% career. He's at 73% this year. Scotty's right in line with his career number at 75. Schroeder is actually shooting uh, a little better mm-hmm. than his career. And then Chris Boucher is their second best free throw shooter right now oh, we're- at 83%. Um, but Yach, who had nudged up from being like a, a mid-40s free throw shooter to 60, is back down to under 50%. Gary has this weird thing where he's like under 60% yeah, that one at the no free sense. throw line, even though he's an 80-plus percent guy. Um, I mentioned OG shooting 60% this year. He's career a 74% guy. Um, even Precious, who like had a good free throw shooting year last year, is back down below sixty percent. It's like a, it's a almost man to man. Other than Schroeder, everyone is shooting at their career level or significantly worse. Okay, let me ask you a question, not on my own behalf, but because I see this all the time for fans. When they see a systemic issue with shooting, whether it's from three or free throws, they try to blame like a systemic issue. Is the Noah? tracking shooting system causing this Blake no don't ask Dylan Brooks about that system uh it wouldn't be the it's system the stupidest sorry I'm sorry I'm not, no. I'm not trying to be insulting but, but it, it does as it is not this for system. anyone who doesn't know people stupid no yeah. it's just not it this is just not the system but go ahead sorry. for anyone who doesn't know the, the Raptors have this technology and the Raptors aren't alone most teams have this available to them in their practice facilities where if you're shooting threes if you're shooting jumpers if you're shooting free throws uh there is instant feedback on your launch angle on if you were left right if you were long short and the idea is that is that all of that instant feedback is higher fidelity than you just looking at your shot and mm. judging where okay. you missed or where you went wrong off of that can i quickly stop you yeah when you say f- instant feedback it's not the machine tells you shoot it longer shoot it higher shoot it left or right it's literally just you see the shot in front of you on a tv screen yeah that's it yeah, and you, there are audio cues that can be like that's right well, or or it tells you that off now turn that off now yeah um so no i think like if we're going to be reductive about it i think the f- reason that they are not a good free throw shooting team is because they don't have very much shooting talent and free throw talent and three-point talent are pretty closely yeah. related not yeah. you not perfect one-to-one but if you have a bunch of really good three-point shooters, they're probably going to be good at shooting free throws. Uh, they don't. It won't be this bad. It shouldn't be this bad. Mm-hmm. Like 
they should be probably in the like 75, 76% range. Yeah. Uh, but even that is, you know, 70, if they were 76 instead of 72, that is, you know, based on their average tree, that's, that's a point of game, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is what it's like covering a 500 team, brother. <laughs> we're yeah. talking um, about the machine that helps them shoot jumpers. <laughs> no, but man. even you were talking about like the OG uh, defense on Donovan Mitchell, like Jakob having, having an incredible game. It's great. Jakob yeah, is uh, the league leader now in field goal percentage, 72.7%. Damn, man. Big facts. Take oh. that, Derek Gladly. Damn, raise the banner, man. Um, Yeah, anything else from uh, Cavs-Raptors before I uh, get you guys tapped in on this in-season tournament drama that happened? Yeah, I have one for, for Will. Um, Just in terms of the defensive assignments, um, I personally kept expecting Scotty to get taken off of Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is, again, maybe this is something about long-term development versus win now. Scotty is obviously not a bad perimeter defender, but he is unbelievably good being in the lower part of the floor, being a help defender, using that length and reaction ability to, to kind of deter people in the pain and cause havoc that way. And they left him on Garland a lot. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple options. You could have, look, OG had completely turned the faucet off on Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Maybe late in the game, you bet that Mitchell just won't find it. You put OG on Garland. I don't think I would do yeah, that. I agree. They kept their best player out of the game offensively. He did his job. Yep. But Pascal spent a lot of the game on Evan Mobley. And Pascal is a pretty good perimeter defender when it comes to fighting around screens, sticking with the guard and stuff like that. And if you have Scotty on Mobley, then he can pretty safely help off of Mobley from the dunker to be a help defender in the paint. Those Garland floaters maybe get up and defend against those. Now, maybe the Cavs take Mobley and use Mobley as the screener instead of Jared Allen um, to put Scotty back in those actions. But I think that gives you the opportunity to switch then Mm -hmm. if you're doing that. And and I think that those shots going to Mobley instead of Allen on the lob is probably like a slight positive for you. What would you have done with the the Garland-Scotty matchup down the stretch? I think I would have kept it simple from the start, which is you keep Dennis Schroeder on the opposing quick point guards. Like that's one of the things Dennis does really well. Um, He presses the ball forces guys to flip once or twice before crossing half court, eats a bit of time out the shot clock, and being pretty quick and slender, he's able to get around screens better than most of the Raptors' six-man forwards. It's just a size issue, I think, most times, right? So, um, yeah, and I would also keep Scotty on Mobley. This does mean that Pascal has to guard Max Drews, which is whatever, but, I mean, I trust Pascal to guard Max Drews. Yeah, and their bet was obviously they wanted Dennis guarding Max Drews for that off-ball screen navigation, right? Yeah, but I, I'm, try, I'm trying to neutralize the central pick-and-roll action, not the, the, the off-ball action with Max Drews. Like, yeah. with all due respect to Max Drews, like, yeah, he, he absolutely won Supernova in the third quarter. I detailed why. The guy didn't score for the other three quarters. You know, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay L- literally with... Literally not a point in another quarter. I think it, yeah. should, be, I think it should be rebranded as a Struess. If you score 20 points in one quarter, but go scoreless in yeah. all the other ones. Is it a will if I score three points in one quarter? If you and score zero the, the, rest open, of the, the opening basket and that's it, the Zon Tabak <laughs> will lose. Again, we can't, we cannot wait to talk about a team, not the Raptors. But um, don't ever let media win a game at anything. Man. Yeah, look, I just think that, like, yeah, it, you, they, I, Dark overthought this one, man. Yeah, keep keep Dennis on the yeah. opposing quick point guard. Listen, man, like that's Darko... what we that's what we hated about what Nick did last year. Yeah. Nick would always do this. He would always put Scotty on Listen. the opposing point guards, and it kind of like limited his effectiveness. Meanwhile, this year, mm-hmm. you know, as Blake mentioned, he's been really good as a helper. You can't really yeah. help off the opposing point guard like that, especially Listen, when they're Dark, running. Darko's figuring it out, but like we've seen, like with the rotations, with like managing certain guys with fouls and stuff, it's like 
He's figuring his way out. So like, so we, I gotta accept development from the players, but I'm I also not, gotta accept I've, development I've from the coaches. I've been the harshest Argo critic. Like, I'm, what are we I'm, doing next? Developing front office. I'm just saying in that Celtics game when like he managed like Pascal's like what three fouls in the first half, and then Scotty not getting in late game. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not letting him off that just because he's a rookie head coach. Like, that's sure. your job. Yeah, that's your job. I like it, it. Pretty inexperienced staff overall, too. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like again, this is the problem with the way that the team's been constructed, with the way they look at their long term. We're trying to win now. We're trying to develop, right? That's why games like last night are so frustrating. Like, you didn't win now. Mm-hmm. And what did you develop? Because um, I looked at that bench, <laughs> and I don't think anything's happening. Yeah, that's fair. That's so, fair. anyways, uh, welcome to covering a 500 team. Are, are we going to look at development in 905 as well? Is, is, am I skipping ahead? We're saving right now. Uh, you're actually skipping a day ahead. We might oh, be saving word? the 905 for tomorrow. Yeah, Once be, again, your, your man does not look at the rundown. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, we could tease that now. I'm, I'm after the show today. I'm heading out to the 905 game. Yeah. Grady Dick's playing a second game with them, so hopefully I'll get to, to talk to Grady. <laughs> you for make a it little sound bit. like you're taking like See a nine going. nine hour grade. <laughs> it is probably it's <laughs> two hours on public transit oh, from God. here to Paramount Five Food Centers. Apologies to my it's public a, transitors. It's a two transfer, almost two hour trip. Yeah, how are you gonna get there? I'm probably going to Uber. Oh, okay, yeah. That's mm. a good call. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call. Yeah. Raptors, right. Raptors PR should send a car, man, with the anyway, coverage that you're providing. We'll talk uh, We'll talk Grady Dick more tomorrow. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'll get a better look at it. I want to ask him some stuff about, it. it you know, maybe his shot mechanics are, are not where they need to be or not where they yeah. were before. Uh, and then, obviously, if you shoot one of 12 in a game or, or whatever yeah. it ended up being, uh, yeah. No, get well soon, Grady. It'll be um, better tonight. Get well soon. He's okay. He's just not, he's not balling right now. That's well, okay. that's, a, that's his job. Um, All right. All right, Roy Keane. So Friday, uh, the Raptors blew out the uh, dead man walking Chicago Bulls, um, who were up 20 points, 21 points in the first quarter last night against Brooklyn and somehow was already trailing by double digits by the second quarter and ended up what? losing. What? Yeah, they were up 30 to 9. Um, to start and end up losing. Um, they're 5-13 and 13 now, but we don't care about the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Pascal, you know, the, the Raptors, you know, um, you know, weathered a little little comeback, a little push from yeah. the Bulls in the fourth, put them away, relatively easy win. Um, and Pascal took a three there at the very end when the game was already decided. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a couple of, couple of things here, like the Raptors had already been eliminated from the in-season tournament. And the wild card, it's worth noting, because yeah. I got a bunch of replies on Twitter about, what about the wild card? Right. No, they were, eliminated so, means eliminated. So they were out, and then DeMar took issue with this, and, you know, for people watching, they would have seen that he picked up that technical foul, was ejected, um, you know, gave Masai a hug on his way in the tunnel, and then afterwards, DeMar was saying, um, quote, everybody on the Raptors bench was yelling at Pascal, score, 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 and DeMar said, just take the win, get out of here. Like I said, if roles were reversed, needing in-season tournament points or not, just for the respect I have for my opponents, I hold the ball, um, especially if there's no shot clock. Um, you know, should the league find DeMar for, uh, you know, hurting the integrity of the in-season tournament here, guys? Yeah. Uh, no, I think the Raptors uh, are more to blame in this case. Obviously, these are the unwritten rules we've talked about on Who the show before. Up? Was it the coach? Do we blame the, Raptors, on the coaches? I, I think Do we blame or the, the bench, whoever's okay. yelling to, to okay. shoot. Like, at this point, you... If we all knew that they'd been eliminated from the in-season tournament yeah. by the time that game started, yeah. and that happened, it did happen that afternoon because of Orlando's win against Boston. Right. Uh, our magic getting yeah, it your, done against your the magic. Celtics. Yeah. Um, Bro, they're, they're one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Yeah, they're yeah. our magic. Yeah. Um, by the way, there's a weird scenario tomorrow night where actually the Raptors beating the Nets eliminates the Celtics. 
Oh, because oh, so it's a must because win. Because so we still so, got so, to play for? It's it, a it, must win. Yeah, it no, keeps no. the Celtics, it prevents the Celtics from winning Group C. On point differential, they could still maybe get the wild card, but they can't win the group if the Raptors beat the Nets tomorrow because the Celtics need a three-way tie at the top of the group. To and be the, able right. to win and on the Raptors winning would prevent that because it yeah. would knock the Nets down to two and two. So, so now everybody we're, forty plus minutes with the starters. But yeah. every starter forty plus. Call minutes. Nick Nurse. This is our Call in Nick season Nurse. championship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually though, five bucks for everyone on the team instead of five hundred thousand. I will if you personally pay Celtics five bucks to everybody on from the team. Winning, uh, from winning, I know a few. I know a few NBA players who would play for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but no, you you got to yeah. be like. There's not really an excuse for not knowing that you've been eliminated from yeah, the tournament. Fine. And, like, even if you didn't know, you're one and two. Yeah. You have to know you're not going to win the wild card and yeah. three points is not going to make the difference. I get that it's an excuse to do it. Yeah. And, I, and I, like, I, the Bulls were also, like, defending. Everyone but DeMar yeah. was defending on that possession, yeah. which is maybe when, like, in the moment, if you're Pascal well, and you I mean, score, score, score. Most possessions, score. everyone's guarding except DeMar. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will yeah. say, I think we overestimate sometimes, like, especially with players and stuff, how much they're paying attention to, like, this stuff. But, especially with in-season tournaments. But stuff. for that, though, my yeah. argument would be, it's it's likelier that they don't shoot when they need the point differential yeah. because they're not paying attention but to things someone, like that. Well, that's the thing. Like, I mean, over at the end of the day, it was a non-issue. Like, Pascal was told to shoot because he thought this was going to be making a difference in the point differential and stuff, and DeMar took issue with it. Um, it's all good. I just love these kind of little things that are coming out of the, the in-season tournament. I guess the other thing we don't know, too, is like the Raptors are playing Wednesday and Friday next week, but we don't know who they're playing yet? Correct. Okay. Um, so, okay. by the way, if we, last thing on the DeMar thing, yeah, yeah, I yeah. got a good reply from someone on Twitter at ddonkey3. Uh, have to appreciate <laughs> Darko's commitment to developing good habits for next year's in-season tournament. Oh, God. That's the explanation is uh, yeah. we're building a culture. That's what we're developing, yes. Alex. Um, yeah. Next year's in-season tournament. Good, good luck with those guys. Uh. So, yeah, you'll notice there's a, there's a big gap on the schedule. Uh, the Raptors play this Friday yeah. against the New York Knicks, and then they have nothing on the schedule until December 11th, where mm -hmm. they also play the New York Knicks. I thought Knicks. my week was free next week until I saw you tweeting that. Yeah, they, they have to slot in two games. Oh, yes. no, no, no. So, we're fully So covering. they will still have a long break. They're, gonna, they're not going to play Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Mm. Uh, mm. And then they have the following weekend off as well, no Saturday, Sunday. But they will play one home game and one away game Wednesday and Friday. Yeah. Um, all the teams who don't qualify for the in-season tournament quarterfinals, uh, those quarterfinals take place Monday, Tuesday, and then the semis on Thursday, the finals on the weekend. Uh, the other team, everyone else plays one game Wednesday, one game Friday, the one home game, one road game. There will be one unlucky team in each conference that has to travel to the other conference uh, just so the numbers oh, bounce out. Numbers. But okay. otherwise, this is one of your... Other the games that otherwise would have been scheduled against a non-division East opponent, they will try to balance that out that okay. way. So it's the same schedule balance gotcha. as usual. So probably you're looking if you're trying to figure out who this. You're crossing your fingers. It's Detroit or Washington. Yeah, uh, because those teams are 0-4 in the in-season tournament uh, as well. But then you're looking at potentially you know Charlotte, Atlanta. Uh, it wouldn't be Chicago again because they just played them in the in-season tournament. None of these but sound like good games. No, oh, they're not going to be good games because the good teams will have made yeah. the in-season tournament. God damn. But they're possible right. W's is the big thing. Uh, going back to this controversy that wasn't really a controversy, I, I do love how consistent DeMar is because one of my favorite DeMar memories as a Raptor is him and P.J. Tucker. Him and P.J., yeah. Walking okay, up and whispering Lance in Stevenson? Lance Thomas's. Oh, yeah. Yes, the Lance Stevenson's ear. This got confusing over Lance, Lance Thomas? Thomas. Oh, what a deep pull. What are you on, a Jeff Teague pod right now? <laughs> no, seriously, man. That was great. And, of course, the, if anyone hasn't heard it already, you got to look up Jeff Teague's retelling 
of that yes. incident because he was on the Pacers. All time good yeah. photo. Yeah, it's like it's a great photo uh, of it's of a them. Terrible job, Blake. Sorry, <laughs> it both is. Blake yeah. shows I've been specifically told not Google to do that. Search. Yeah, I've been specifically told not to do that in the past, but it's a, it's an all-time Raptors photo. I get told a lot it's, of things. It's, it's probably the best P.J. Tucker moment as a Raptor, too. That and the P.J. Tucker meme oh, was yeah. also born when he was the Raptor. Because he was only here uh, on the, in his second time with Toronto no, for like maybe three months. You don't understand. Yeah, he was here as long as he was the first time. You don't understand. <laughs> we can we can fact check this easily, but like for an entire decade, PJ Tucker guarded either LeBron or KD in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, no, I, I think I'm serious. I think there's a real chance of that. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and but, he got so much props, even though both of them averaged forty on him. Yeah, and, and guess who he's going to guard in the first round of the playoffs this year if the Clippers make it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of those guys probably exactly. too. But they're uh, uh, they're outside of the play-in right now. Yeah. yeah, you guys got to watch Jeff Teague's retelling of that. Because you do. We, we were going to actually play this clip, uh, play the clip earlier this year, but there's way too much stuff to censor. Yeah, basically, so it's funny because Jeff Teague had <laughs> PJ Tucker on the podcast to retell that story. And apparently in that, in that like scuffle, whatever, PJ told, um, let, let me just clean it up. He, he's, he told Jeff Teague to, to move out the way, mm. little guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Jeff Teague was like, damn, we just had Ciroc together because <laughs> they went out drinking the night before. So, yeah, no, seriously, DeMar takes this really seriously is the point. And I think it is really yeah, old school. a little guy. <laughs> no, but I love, uh, that's my favorite part. Like I was joking about earlier, I love how DeMar just could care less, like even if like a team is playing for the point differential. DeMar doesn't even care card. there's a three-point line on the court, man. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm going to play my game. And if... That's no, it. DeMar's straight up not respecting the in-season tournament. I in love the that. infamous yeah. words of Vince Staples, yeah. respect DeMar DeRozan. No, for That's real. That's all he's going to say, yeah. but respect DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Speaking of respecting true hoopers, when we come back and recap Speaking my... Speaking of little guy and too my, small, too my, small. Uh, my MVP performance wasn't even the best Alex on my own team, but it's all good. Um, yeah, we'll have Jerome Chang and uh, Karina Mustafa joining us. Yeah, there you go. Um, also, one last shout out to investigative reporters going down to practice on a Saturday to try to get that quote out of Pascal. But we're going to take a quick break. I've been your host, Will. You've been <laughs> listening Dave to Vestchuk? The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Besides Say favorite. their names. Your daily dose of everything NFL. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Continue to be joined by Blake and Alex. So we've teased this already because, uh, look, you know, as much as we want to just, like, go in on the Raptors after losing to the Cavs, like, it is what it is. 500 team losing another 500 team is the most expected thing in the world. Um, you know, big event that took place over the weekend. The number one highlight for me was not Raptors beating the Bulls, was not Raptors losing to the Cavs. It was team media upsetting team athletes in overtime at the inaugural sport versus media game uh, presented by um, who, who are they presenting? I'm so sorry. The TMU man. Sport Media uh, Huddle program. Studios. Huddle there Studios. Go. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Sport, you can actually yeah. Watch. Sport versus media.com. You can still go and watch it on their YouTube channel. Yes. I watched it at 4 a.m. 
on a Saturday. Uh, we also I, watched it at Wingstop across the street, too. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, my is that where you guys went? I went to the bar right next to them. Oh really? Oh, yeah, and, and that's, that's where the that's uh, Orrin Weisfeld's favorite bar. That's where Huddle Studios were having their like a uh, rap party. Oh, as well, what did they tell us, man? What? Um, I was oh, ready. Wow. To, yeah, come on, Huddle, Miss Mister and Mrs. Huddles. Yeah. Come on, uh, so you can still check that out on sportversemedia.com. It, it also yes. the live stream worked and was uh, fun enough that I checked my phone after the game and just had a ton of trash talk from my mm. family who were watching. Yeah. Incredible, honestly, like before we even talk about the game and we're going to have Karina joining us later on in the segment, like just incredible work, like watching back that broadcast, um, you know, just like the sideline reporting, the play by play, um, the cuts. players mic'd up. Yeah, the cuts to Karina and Nor in the studio. I don't know if any, I was mic'd up <laughs> the whole game. I don't know if any of it was usable. Yeah, but, but it was, it was, it was very well presented and very well done. And like before we spend 20 minutes on my MVP performance, like I just <laughs> want people. <laughs> no, I, I think that's really important um, for for people to know that, that these TMU students put in such, um, you know, great Amazing. time and effort. And like these are students in the journalism program that are going to be coming out and like looking for jobs and stuff. Like, you know, like uh, the these are in good hands. No, these are yeah. super talented people. Um, sure. uh, professors, give them an A plus, please. They really deserve it. I, <laughs> I don't I know how they wouldn't get an A plus. The game went off without a hitch. The broadcast was good. Everything yeah. was like on time and well executed. They raised a bunch of money for MLSE yeah. Foundation. Yeah. Um, I had friends come out for it. I'm sure you guys did too. They had a great time. Yeah. They won some prizes. Nice. Uh, won a, uh, one of my friends that I was out with after, uh, she won an OGN and OB jersey in the silent auction and was oh, like, wow. she's like a new basketball fan. So that was really exciting for her. Um, nice. A friend won a hat by naming all Santa's reindeer. Yeah. And there which were, was a thing. There were a couple copies of Prehistoric. So. Oh. Enjoy. I thought you Enjoy couldn't get them. those anymore. Those are you could resell those. That was a, for that, was a, a hud, that was a huddle studio exclusive. That's man. a dead stock, right? There. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> we we had the uh, we had the uh, you know Blake was the coach of uh, team sport, and, and we, you know we were team media. A, a trade took place right before the game. I, uh, yeah, I'm not not thrilled with my general yeah. manager for this one. Uh, we yeah. we Desha- Desha- tried Deshaun? to duck the lack the Deshaun? luxury tax. Deshaun, Deshaun Stevens. And Justin Pooney was traded to your team. And in exchange, we got a, a real athlete on our squad, Alex Johnson. Yeah. Superman. See, and, so Alex Johnson, by the way, mm. so not only has played in the CBL and the NBL, yeah. but was leaving literally the next morning to go to Puerto Rico to try to help Canada qualify for the three-on-three basketball in the Olympics. Yeah. Wow. And he, he dropped 20 points for us. You know, without him, this would happen. But, like, without <laughs> everybody, man. Without Will, without uh, Amanda. You got one without me. I'm not going to <laughs> You, Jerome, you set the tone. Be, you got to set the tone, and you hit the first basket of the game. Jerome, who's waiting patiently on Zoom, uh, Jelani, Lieben, Haley, and the coaches, too. You know, I walked in. I was upset because I asked S and Sean Willie. I'm like, am I starting? And they're like, no. We read the <laughs> scouting report. You're not starting. So I threw a fit. I didn't talk to them for a whole hour during nice. warm-ups. Nice. He didn't take a single shot in warm-ups. I kept yeah. begging Alex to just warm up. And you got to like, warm no. up for what you do in the game. Well, and you, what Scotty, I do, Scotty Barnes coming out of halftime. And what I do in wow. the game is not take shots. But guess what, man? I don't start games. I finish them. Mm. Um, and, you well, know, not, I, not quite. You, got, <laughs> you did foul out in a charity game. God yeah, damn you it. literally didn't finish the game. <laughs> As promised on Friday, I told you guys I was going to foul out. But what you didn't know is I was going to score 11 points, hit that game-tying free throw at the end of regulation, and just be the emotional, you know, spirit um, of, of the entire team. I also want to shout out just Cam Bruce as well. I know there's a little hard foul there at the end. Um, hope you're doing well. I talked um, to him yesterday. Yeah, it was a competitive a game. 
want to make sure of that. So yeah, that's that's all I got to say. Um, I don't know what you guys uh, want to add. We got Jerome waiting. Yo, what how are we, we feeling, man? How are we feeling? <laughs> I just, just so uh, yeah. Where do you guys want to, you know? Yeah, go let's with do this? Jerome first since he's there waiting. Right, we, let's we bring, in, let's bring in Jerome, later. aka Black Dragon Roll, aka Kibo Bryant, aka Champion, aka <laughs> Guard him. He's the shooter. Yeah, aka Ice in his veins. Uh, rice in his veins. Yeah, he got rice in his veins as well. <laughs> Jerome, man, we were um, we're recapping this like a like a real game, um, like real professionals For here on a, on a national network, and it's like, you know, we were trailing by three, I believe, there in the third quarter. Um, team team uh, sport had made a, a great run, and it felt a little wobbly there. It felt a little wobbly, and you got us right back with, I believe, back to back threes. That's right to put us right back in the lead. And to be honest, like to me, that was the uh, the, the Sportsnet uh, turning point, um, you know, for 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 me when I look at that game. How did you feel in that sequence? You know, what what were you thinking when you hit those back to back threes? I'll be honest, I blacked out on Wembley. <laughs> I knew we were down. I knew we needed we needed at least a three to tie it back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the first the first one I hit. And which is very much how I play basketball is just if a ball gets handed to me and there's a little bit of space, I'll just let it fly and hope for the best. Mm. So that's what I did on that one. That felt great. I promised the no dunks guys I would do a three to the head. So that's why I did that uh, in celebration there. And then, yeah, the next time up, it was another opportunity. Uh, I was trailing on the break. Robin was in the post, hit me outside. Well, not until I watched the broadcast again after did I By the way, we all rewatched tape yesterday. We watched it so many times and talked about it way too many times. But yeah, I hit the other one and then I did the uh Dennis Schroeder freeze slash ice in the veins celebration and it was a uh, it felt great. I I I think you know, in in a basketball way, I think we needed to at least tie if not like I, I think if sport took over then it could have gotten ugly for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the athletic advantage then, you know, in playing the keep away style game, although we I think we shot two for 10 on free throws. Uh, There was no bonus (laughs) in this game. So it was a little like the end of overtime. We couldn't get the ball back from you guys because we Mm. would foul and then it was just side out. Yeah. Uh, So maybe we would have been. But in the moment, I thought I assume we were playing with bonus. So I was like, oh, yeah, Mm. if we're ahead, we got to be aware of the free throw game. Like we need a safe lead. Anyway, Jerome, I'm wondering. So our you know, the adjustment as we went along and for anyone who doesn't know, I had a team full of athletes, but only one of them had basketball experience. So, um, you know, it's not an excuse. It just (laughs) informs what you're doing uh, schematically and and things like that. And one of our things was like, okay, let's, let's make them beat us with jump shots. Then let's sag off a little bit. Everyone except for Alex Superman Johnson and Jerome, I have to wonder late in the game, there's a sideline inbound. You're inbounding the ball. Um, I'm talking my team We're we're obviously aware of Superman, but to hear one of the greatest coaches of all time yell out to guard the inbounder because he's the shooter. How did that make you feel? Uh, it was ridiculous to hear because the <laughs> other person who you're laying off of was Alex Johnson. Um, so the fact that like it gave, cause we had our out of bounds play like drawn up where originally it was to get me open. Like, I think we were that confident in me. Yeah. We're, we're going to get Will shot. to break that play down after. Oh, yeah, no for worry. sure. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. And then Alex, like Alex Johnson in the huddle is like, no, I should have the ball. And all of us pause and we're like, yeah, what the hell are we talking about? The one professional player on our team should have the ball in crunch time. And so, but the fact that like, I guess that early shooting performance, like got to make me a decoy and allowed that for that opening, it worked out. 
Yeah. Uh, big shouts to our coaches, um, Sean Woodley and uh, S. For yeah, I wanted to hate them so bad, but they they came. No, first through. off, they, they did an amazing great. job, awesome. bringing they great energy, incredible. positivity, great rotations, great rotations. Everyone rotation. got a chance to play because yeah. it was a charity game. Um, but also, <laughs> was it for you? Well, you know, <laughs> is anything a charity game for me? But like, uh, he they drew up some plays, but towards the end, as you mentioned, I was just like, yo, let me take. Yeah. The so clipboard. so let's set the okay. stage here. It's like 15 seconds left. We're trailing by one. We're trailing this, yeah, by one, trailing and we need one. a bucket. And we yeah. clearly have one guy on the team named Alex who can get buckets. Yeah, the no other offense one. to you. No, no the no other offense one. To you. No, he's Superman. Yeah. I'm, I'm Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. Unbelievable. You're, what's, who's the other guy at the paper? Jimmy something? Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen? Olsen. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Olsen. You actually got some Jimmy Olsen vibes. But, oh, so what I wanted was, obviously, we're going to inbound the ball to Alex, and we wanted mm -hmm. to space the floor. Um, yeah. And so we had it on the left side. It was Jerome coming to set the screen. Well, we actually had Robin set the screen before. Yeah. Uh, but this time Alex was like, no, I want a shooter come set the screen for yep. me. So in this case, he, we switched up for Jerome. The original sequence had Jerome uh, off two staggered screens on the right side of the floor. Yeah. Jerome lifting from the corner up to the top. But Max, now, Max Drew style, But basically. now you're coming off the double screen. Yeah, but Jerome was in that play, so now I'm the shooter in that play. Yeah. The whole point was we wanted to space the floor because we obviously just know one yeah. guy can get buckets anytime. Yes. And... You know, I think it actually kind of worked because the one shot blocker on Blake's team, on the on the team of the, the athletes, yep. there was this guy, you know, Cam, who yeah, was 6'3", yeah. could really jump. At one point, he did a goal 10. He which I've never seen a goal 10 yeah. in real life outside he, of an NBA game. He touched game. the ball at the top of the basket. Yeah. He was dunking in warm-ups. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he could really, uh, like, block shots. So our thinking was, we got to occupy him. And so that's why I was the shooter coming around because he was guarding me. Yeah. So we lifted him to the three-point line. Yeah. So I set a pick for you. Yeah. Robin, I believe, was on that side too, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and I set a DeAndre Aiden pick. You literally had to tell me. You're I like had to tell you where to be, man. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stand close to Cam grab, so that when I yeah. cut, there's and, more separation. And the context of that yeah. is there's only one ref, right? Like yeah. in, in an NBA game, sure, obviously, yeah. it's not that. I know he's not calling anything on the weak side, so I just grabbed the guy as he the, was coming off. There, there's also, the good. There's <laughs> also really the element good. of... You know, yeah. if you're in our spot, there's a lot of time left on the clock. Yeah. And right. while we would want Cam to be nominally near the basket, like that would be the preference. Mm. Um, we also, we were trying to make sure we actually welcomed Cam being the guy put in, in the pick and rolls with Alex because Cam and Deshaun were probably the only two guys who yeah. had the length to keep Alex in front mm. of them. So we were okay with him coming up that way because the assumption was if the first drive lane wasn't there, you were probably screening for Alex and we're okay with that. Well, here's yeah. the thing. I was never going to be involved in that play because yeah. it was just going to. We were just trying to get the play off. Yeah. That's why you were wide open though, coming off. I, the screen. I was wide open, but it was also the first play I've ever drawn. And I'm like, yeah. all right, pick her on the left side, double stagger screens on the yeah. right side. I felt great. The execution was pretty good. I also told you and Robin. Obviously, as soon yeah. as the shot goes up, just, you guys are going to yeah, go crash. Go crash yeah. so we're down one with the shot clock yeah. turned off, and it just so happened that you made a really good cut. Alex got downhill, and yeah. he found you. Yeah. Unselfish play. Yeah. You had a chance for the and one, which I could did. have just fully I did. won it. Yeah, so, so I want to I, I want to tee this up for Jerome. So now there's five seconds left, and I'm heading to the free throw line. And early in the game, I had gone to the free throw line, and, like, I can't shoot. Like, I've been trying to fix my jumper with my guy Johnson. Um, and, like, I literally told everybody, like, I can't shoot. I, like, bricked those two free throws early in the game. When I checked in with three minutes left in the fourth, it was a close game. I told S and Woodley, I'm like, if it gets down to a situation where we're up and they're going to foul, you got to take me out of the game. So, uh, Jerome, tee it up. So I'm heading to the free throw line, going for the two shots. What's going through your mind is that first one goes wide right. Yeah. Uh, the thing that went through my mind was, I can't believe we're just going to lose by one. This is amazing. We had such a close game. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, like, I already wrote it off. I, I'll, I'll be fully honest. Like, uh, he's 0 for 3 at that point. He's not confident in the shot. The problem uh, is I am confident. 
but you are confident. So but they the try thing to. It's just like they try to ice me. And like you make the free throws that count. <laughs> they try to ice me. They they came up to me. Yeah. They're like, hey, no pressure, man. This is just for the game. And oh my I was, gosh, yeah. And I was like, I thought it was just charity for you guys. Um, so I missed the first one. You know, even the, even the even the um even the ref was trying to ice me out a little bit. He's like, yo, oh yeah, you're stepping over the line. You gotta watch it. Watch your foot. Will, was it foot. you that got a lane violation on a free throw? By the way. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah <laughs> Will also got a take foul at one point. Oh yeah, yeah. We had yeah. two take well, fouls. I, I got stripped, man. Basically, I'm not gonna let it break. Basically, Will's <laughs> job was let's see how many NBA rules uh, the ref is going to call in a game where technically yeah. we're running WNBA uh, yeah. rules. So, Jerome, Jerome or Will, like, what what are your thoughts when yeah. that when that free throw? Banks in and we go to OT. So the funniest thing is, so I think Alex finished the game one for four on free throws. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Previous trip went to the foul line, missed both so badly. Terribly. This was like earlier in the game. Insane. So yeah. when you check back into the game, uh, I told you, I was like, yo, only thing I'm going to tell you about free throws, yeah. this is the only thing I know how to do. Because I'm a lefty. Yeah, you're yeah. a lefty. Line the f the hand that you're shooting with. Yeah. So in your left hand, line your left foot yeah. with the center of the rim and then just try to shoot it in a straight line. Yeah. That's it. And and that was actually one of the tips in Nick Nurse's shooting book. Although it's like the most <laughs> common like shooting. Nick Nurse responsible <laughs> for team media win? I, I'm not even kidding. That's actually where I got the tip from, but that's also a very common but, uh, like, basketball This is tip. all I was thinking yeah. on the final free throw. Just line it up. Was, hey, man, like I've been shooting wide left. I've been shooting wide right. Forget about your terrible shooting mechanics right now. This is for the game. Mm -hmm. You just got to get the ball straight. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. Just line it up straight. Line your foot as Will told you. And then when I let it go, it felt good. And then it still like went too far to <laughs> it and it banked in. Oh, good. So we got overtime. The Brad was point. yelling for a granny shot. <laughs> I think I yelled from the back like Rick Barry. Like just. No, I, I don't know how my life would be if I didn't make that free throw, but. I guess we'll never know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we went to overtime, and I think we just pulled away. Like, it was, well, it was overtime, a really good Alex team Johnson effort. literally had, like, two steals, two layups, yeah. a three. Like <laughs> Once again, I didn't deserve the MVP, <laughs> but throws. I am repping it very hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. had everything. Shouts to Alex. Was, was that when you had your uh, left-hand hook where you held your hand out? Was that Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Did. I, yeah. I, I shot, like, a very angry basket. hook. Um, yeah, it was like a fastball yeah. right at the basket. It looked like That's you right. punched the sky. Like, you did a sky <laughs> uppercut. Shouts to Blaziken. We and, talked a yeah. lot of trash in that game. Uh, and, well, uh, we, was, it was largely me. Because I realized after, like, probably five minutes, I can't contribute to this game. Yeah. Um, it's most, good to know. Yeah. Mostly because I'm getting guarded by a 6'3" like Olympic level hurdle hurdler. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna get anything off. It's got getting guarded by well, Jakob Hurdle. <laughs> so I it was just pure trash talk the whole game at every yeah. refs, opposing players, opposing coaches, me and Blake got Blake. into it. Me yeah. and the crowd got into it. Me and I was you in, got into it. I was it, into it with Lebon for a little bit Yo, too. You, you will literally in the second quarter because like the, you guys started drawing up plays and then I think I started laughing. And yeah. you're like, no effing laughing, man. <laughs> this is effing serious right now. And everybody in the crowd thought it was like a KD Draymond situation where we're fighting yeah. in the huddle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if I wasn't speaking to you guys about the game, yeah. I yeah. was talking to other people after the fact in like DMs and messages explaining that like <laughs> that wasn't a bit from Will. I played no, enough no, no, times no. with Will to oh, know no, no, that no. that's he was just locked in. He I have is, a psychotic level of competitiveness. Yeah. yeah, no, it's very last dance level, Michael Jordan, like that side of competitiveness. Like I was yeah. expecting, yeah. Yeah, except I'm uh, I'm Bill Wennington. He's Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Jerome, appreciate you, man. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add before we we let you go. 
Uh, honestly, just shout out again, like Huddle Sport, like they yeah, did such they really a fantastic did. job of yeah. it. Like Karina and the rest of the team as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think if anything, I think we're all happy the way we're talking about it. Like, of course, we're a bunch of like dudes in their late thirties talking about their performances in an exhibition charity game. But I think we're all really happy we actually put on a show that was worth in some way broadcasting yeah don't don't ever let media win a charity basketball game we will, we will literally go on sportsnet and do a whole segment on it um appreciate you jerome um appreciate you guys i'll see you soon before we bring in karina too i want to know from you blake like you obviously had you know the different perspective from like a coaching um you know pov like what what was kind of like some things you took away or like some things that you were like oh this is kind of cool yeah, it was, uh, I mean, first of all, I've coached baseball and hockey before. I've never really coached basketball, so this was a, a cool thing to get to do. Um, it was a fun challenge. I, I thought just, like, in general, the idea of here are a bunch of people who are not, you know, college-level athletes but know ball really well and play a lot of ball versus a bunch of people who are collegiate and, in some cases, like, mm. national-level athletes, but there's not as much basketball knowledge not you know I, I had some plays ready to go I, I had some stuff ready that I wanted to execute and I kind of had to ditch it and, and just go you know we had to simplify a little bit like I wasn't going to bust out a 2-3 zone <laughs> against you guys even that though you guys didn't jokes, though. It, even though you guys didn't have you know a ton of shooting you know I've got some plays here that I didn't get to use oh my god, oh my god. Um, let me see these plays yeah man. well there's okay. one called big head which was to put Will in a Spain pick and roll and oh lose my god. his man um, uh, you know I, I did have anyway. I did have a lot of simple stuff like um, you know, I had some Caitlin Clark stuff for, from NCAA, just like quick UCLA cuts to, for Bree or whatever. But like you guys saw in the final play of overtime, like that was only the really the only one that we fully drew up, and it yeah. uh, it, it it didn't work. Um, is all I'll say on that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was uh, it was really fun, and it was it was a cool challenge to you know try, be forced to simplify things and find things that you could implement really easily and tell someone who is crazy athletic but is coming from a hockey or a football or, or a track and field uh, background, you know, simple things that, that could make us play uh, a little bit better. I felt a little weird because, I like, I'm not super competitive generally, but by the fourth quarter in overtime, I felt very competitive. Yeah. And I, I don't know that uh, that competitive level was the best thing for our sideline. So uh, I think I would have been a little bit more chill and a little more fun-oriented yeah, if, yeah, if I ran yeah. back the closing minutes, maybe made people too tight. I don't know. Ah, I think I think we ratchet up like we were there to win. Like I know I know the charity. Oh aspects. no, we were there for charity, and then I was like, we have to win this game no matter what. <laughs> but we were here on Friday talking about it, and I was like, yo, listen, team athlete, like we're coming to play. Like we're coming to play, and we did come to play. That's right. So the nerds beat the jocks. Anyways, uh, we've got uh, Krina Krina Mustafa joining us now on Zoom. Um, she was uh, production manager, production manager yes. and host as well, right, Krina? I know we went back and forth it's on this. It's that meme of actor, producer, writer, <laughs> yeah, director, yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. This is everything for this. So yeah. I, know, I know this is Casey Dobson's favorite segment of the Raptor show right now. Um, Krina, thank you. Thank you for everything, um, for just organizing everything and helping uh, us. Well, th thank you. I appreciate, like, honestly, you guys coming out and supporting, just, like, talking about it on the show this whole time. Like, it ended up being so, so fun. Um, and I also just want to make sure Blake is okay with, like, Will having the trophy and Alex having, like, the MVP there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's <laughs> fine. This is as close as I, I get to the trophy. That's okay. That's okay. They're all, I mean, I was going to say there's next year. The uh, You guys are all graduating. I don't think there is a next year. But, uh, yeah, well... There might be. We just might not be in charge of it. I'll be all right. Oh, okay. Karina, did, did I hear you predicted overtime? Like, 
during the week or something? You say something? Yeah, I basically the entire week, I kept saying, wouldn't it be so funny if this game went to overtime, but I didn't actually like truly believe it was going to happen. So when it happened, everybody just kind of blamed it on me because that was like the one thing we didn't really totally plan for. We weren't sure because um, we also had a heart out of the gym. So there was a lot of stuff going on. I was in the control room because that's where our studio was, where I was hosting with Noor. Uh-huh. And everybody just screamed when you made that free throw out. <laughs> I was screaming internally. Um- um, no, I heard if the game went to double overtime, it would have been first basket wins. Like that was yeah. gonna be that it was would have been be. high card. <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna be the rule. But Krita, I know I asked you to to just have some takeaways about the game, but also like obviously being part of producing it and putting it together. Would would love to hear um, your your main takeaways from uh, this event. Yeah, I mean, I guess my biggest takeaway is that it was really hard. Um, we had a group of seven students that kind of just independently funded and produced this. And that's crazy I think that one it was just big- seven. Yeah. 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 Uh, we pretty much had like, aside from like our professor who was like our uh, advisor throughout the old time, we pretty much kind of did this on our own. And um, we learned a lot. I think it's really important to have a lot of variety in the role. So we all really complemented each other. Well, we had somebody in charge of the finances we had, I was in charge of like the production overall and the creative elements to it. We had people doing outreach, working with like MLSC, which was our charitable partner and marketing and social media and all these different things. Like, it was a small group, but because everybody had their different roles, I think that's what ended up making it so successful. Um, on the charitable front, um, how, how, how did we all do? Did we, did we raise good money? Yeah, so the official number is coming out in the next couple of days, but I can say that it is around $3,000, which wow. surpassed um, our initial goal by a lot. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty happy about that. Well, anytime you put two copies of Prehistoric into a silent auction, <laughs> you know the price of the brick is going up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what else? I, I know. I know you had some thoughts too. Um, obviously about the the trade that took mm-hmm. place, and, and and of course, like you know, the the buzz that was created on social media and things like that. I will say, as much as Team Media gets to brag right now, that trade with Alex Johnson was absolutely oh, yeah. necessary. That was I the think Kawhi trade. Had- <laughs> that was the Kawhi trade. <laughs> If we had both of the Johnsons on the same team, like, I'm sorry, Team Media, but you guys would have gotten, like, actually. Yeah, I would have put up Um, the same stats. I would have fouled out. (laughs) I would have had the same stats. Alex, if you didn't if you didn't make that free throw at the end and just like play that way, like the MVP would have gone a different route. Karina, Karina, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I guess (laughs) we'll we'll never never know. know. Exactly. What happened, happened. Um, But no, I think like honestly, evening out the rosters made it really fun. Everybody that was texting me after was like, that game was way more competitive than I expected it to be, which was nice. Um, I think it was super entertaining. I know that sounds so bad, but no, no, it was, no, it really was a fun. little intense. Uh, but yeah, anyways, we're all looking for a guy who did this. <laughs> that was like one of the main it. things that I kind of wondered going into it. I wasn't sure, sure like how serious people were going to yeah, take you don't it. Know, like I you wasn't don't know sure. us well. Yeah, you don't know us too well. <laughs> Uh, so I'm yeah. glad everybody ended up taking it seriously because it's honestly like it ended up being really fun. But yeah. yeah, the social media hype and engagement around this game has been kind of surreal to watch. Even this morning, no dunks talking about the winners from the weekend and including Jerome's highlights. That's and just amazing. Continuing like they've given us shout outs throughout the last couple yeah. of weeks. You guys, of course, on the show too. like just seeing, I think, maybe all these media people that us and our student group kind of grew up watching and have kind mm. of followed for many years. Seeing them promoting our project and working all together was definitely probably one of my favorite parts of this journey. Yeah, and, and I hope in, in some ways, like, you know, I know you guys are trying to get into the industry and all this stuff. Like, 
you know, um, you guys can can learn from this too in terms of like, you know, we did a huge push um, on social media, on the show and stuff. There's just so many different ways when you have these different platforms to really drum up excitement um, about like a charity game. Um, so yeah. I, I am hoping you guys will do this again, even when you're no longer students, because, yeah, I want to play those athletes again. <laughs> okay. All yeah, right, we're uh, we're definitely in talks to see if it can become like a legacy project. So this might just end up being a thing where like the next group of seniors takes it over. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that I can like come back and just actually be able to be on the benches and actually just chirp at all of you, because mm. um, that seemed like it would be pretty fun rather than being, you know, in the studio doing the broadcast. But I think honestly, for this being such a unique event, because like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really think anybody's done something like this in Canada yet where you have like athletes playing against media members um in a basketball game so I think like just having that be the inaugural event there's so much that we can build on it if this does become like a yearly thing yeah for sure no I just wanted to say thanks once again from the three of us for including us in the game uh it was it was a it was a blast and uh, I'll find a way to return this trophy to you at some point (laughs) (laughs) oh also shout out to Laura for constructing this trophy I was uh I was made to, to say that (laughs) <laughs> how are you guys feeling though after the game like uh, are you sore what's I going mean, on i'm, I'm sore from just doing like warm-ups i i was in a full sweat before the game even started there was like probably 45 minutes of warm-up he put up like 800 shots i'm like, not kidding i put up at least 100 points in warm-ups and i had three in the game but my shoulder is very sore from yeah, shooting but I'm, it was a great time honestly yeah i'm, I'm at an all-time high right now um just this has been incredible for me oh that last thing actually where can people actually watch this yes i think that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people probably didn't see it yet, especially now that we're talking about it on live television. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to Huddle Studios on YouTube, um, the live stream is still up there. I think we passed like 500 views on the live stream, which mm. I think half of it is just you guys re-watching uh, your tape. Yeah. Uh, but no, right. yeah, just, yeah, just subscribe to Huddle Studios or you can even go to sportversusmedia.com and the link should be on the website. Yeah. And if, well. and if people want to like, you know, reach out to guys and like, you know, maybe collaborate on projects like Huddle Studios is the way to find everybody that was involved, right? Is that, is that correct, Karina? Yeah, absolutely. We have an email, which is also on our website. So if you would like to reach out to us, the email is on sportversusmedia.com. Yeah, get these people to organize your next um, charity game, whatever event that you guys have in mind. Karina, I really appreciate you and appreciate everything. And we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you so much. Okay. Man. We are going to take our last break of the afternoon. Yeah, JR, clip that whole segment and send it to me. I want to watch it when I go home. <laughs> okay, you could, that could have been a text. Uh, but we're going to take a break. I've been your host, Willu. You've been listening to the Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Joining me for the last segment is uh, Blake Murphy. Alex had to drop out uh, to celebrate his win some more again never seen a man celebrate four hook shots and one banked in free throw but uh we need all those um he also just aggregated his own quote card of uh i don't start games i finish them 
Um, to which I obviously had to reply. He he literally didn't finish the game. Again, he fouled out. Yeah. He, I think he was the only person that got, had more than two fouls in the game. Like, no one else was even in foul trouble. Even I didn't commit two fouls, which is uh, questionable. Yeah, you do have to try on defense to commit a foul. <laughs> yeah, I testing, was, testing. I was I'm really still not, here, man. Oh, I got, this guy tapping back in. I, you know, I got to defend my honor, man. You guys literally slandered me wow. with me sitting here. By the way, what, uh, a, what a Blake day. was right about everything. Yeah. yeah. What a day for my magic, by the way. Paolo Bancaro, uh, yeah. Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and mm. Franz Wagner in the other names receiving oh. both in the Alex Superman Johnson uh, t- category of also receiving MVP votes. Yeah, I'm just waiting to tap out when, when Grange is available. Michael Grange is supposed to be joining us. That's right. Um, we're still waiting, boys? We are still waiting. All right, let's talk about the magic of uh, Orlando then, man. They're... Oh, okay. They're... Like, are they for real, Blake? Like, yeah. they're like, they have two, to be for real. Like, two seed in the East right now? Yeah, they're not to- top of the table for real, but yeah. like in the last week, nice. not only did they like really beat the Toronto Raptors. They also beat the Denver Nuggets who yes are down Jamal Murray, but that team was down Murray and Jokic and was beating mm-hmm. teams. Um so they they managed to beat the defending champs. They beat the Celtics who have been I I think pretty safely the the best team in the NBA so far this yeah. year. Um they also like they're 12 and 5 and maybe some of that is more like heading into the Raptors game they were 8 and 5 and I was like okay these teams are about equal like the offense is roughly the same the defense is roughly the same but Orlando has continued trending in the right direction on both ends of the floor their average margin is plus 5.2 like they have one of the best scoring margins in all of basketball as well so even if you don't believe in the 12 and 5 part of it the underlying numbers say you wouldn't say they're a top five team, but they have played like a top five team so far. I think if nothing else, like they are firmly in that group of, well, they could miss the play in altogether and be on the the positive side of the Eastern Conference standings, be a potential top six team. Yeah. Um, I guess my thinking with this is just, number one, it's really impressive how much they're committing to guarding. That's one of the things for these younger teams is like you when you don't have a winning culture or whatever, like it's so hard to get everyone to buy in and get guys to fight. And that's what we're seeing from the Houston Rockets this year. I think they're number one in defense. And Orlando's number two. And Orlando's number two. And these are all young teams that have gone through rebuilding processes, have added these young pieces. They don't necessarily know how to play, but when you get it to click and when you get it to go right, and Orlando was very much drafted for defense in a lot of these instances. You know, guys like Isaac, for example, were not drafted for their offense mm-hmm. uh, or their political stances. But like, you know, like what, what, what he does is that he's an amazing defender. There's a play where you saw it over the weekend where he was guarding Tatum. Tatum had nothing against him, man. Turn him into Tatum? He turned him into <laughs> Tatum. It was it was it was mm. it was difficult to watch. Um but like I think they have the depth in that roster yeah. and of course I think the you're saying they try to build like the, the Raptors with the defense but it's working. They're ahead of schedule. Basically. But I, I guess oh, my question man. to Blake is like are they are they more on the OKC end of spectrum or are they more like the Houston Rockets? The East version of Houston Rockets or the East version of OKC? You know what I mean? I think they're closer to last year's OKC just because they have been building toward this for a while. Like, these pieces are largely the same as the pieces they had last year. Mm -hmm. They've been moving in this right now. I know they added two lottery picks. Anthony Black wasn't on the team last year. That's a pretty big addition. Um, Jet Howard's, you know, in the G League. He's not contributing. Um, But... And Anthony Black is legitimately uh, an addition. But you look at this team, there is some continuity. There is, you know, there's a reason I predicted them to be the team that overperforms heading into this year. Because we started to see the signs late last year as well that they were becoming, you know, they weren't good yet, but they were a really difficult team to beat. Especially if you're one of those teams that over the course of 82 has your foot off the gas at times. And look, that, that might be part of their 12 and 5 record so far is like the Celtics weren't up for that game or Denver wasn't up for that game, but you only catch teams sleeping like that for so long. Um, And they have done this by the way, 
with Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter Jr. out a lot, they have had they've missed a good amount of rotation and starting lineup games to injury. So I, I don't know that that means there's you know more upside here where they'll be even better. Mm-hmm. But I think that that stabilizes you a little bit if you're looking at like, well, they'll regress. This will come back down to earth. This will come back down to earth. They'll also get a couple key pieces back. Man, I yeah. forgot I forgot about Markel Fultz being part of that too. And I, I was listening He's to. Nice. I was listening to the great, um, you know, Pound the Rock podcast. They were going through, like, all the rebuilding teams um, this past week, and they were going through the Detroit Pistons, and, like, Joseph Cachar had this stat of how the Pistons have a worse record, I think, like, in their last five years than, like, when the process Sixers tried to rebuild in their first five or something By the way, tonight is uh, the game of the season. The two and fourteen Washington Wizards against the two and fourteen Detroit Pistons. The losing team will be on pace to break the NBA record for worst record. Yeah, Jordan Poole about to roll that ball up, man. Um, Nobody should get a win in that one. It's actually my stance. <laughs> no, but, but you look at Orlando. Yeah. Like, they've been building for so long. Um, and then you look at the Detroits. You know, you guys mentioned OKC. Like, it's really fascinating to, like, put them, like, next to each other and see, like, how they've drafted, how they've built teams. And, like, yeah, super exciting times for uh, who's the biggest Orlando Magic fan? Kevin Clark of the Ringer? It might be me. Yeah. It might be Blake Murphy. What do you <laughs> and, mean? And, and, and Tiger Woods. This man was watching. Tiger Woods so. be showing up in Orlando sometimes, oh, too. We're... All right. Let's 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 bring in Michael Grange. Uh, Grange, you were there in Orlando, I think? No. Were you? You weren't there for that one? Okay, well, I saw the tweet that you put out after that game where the Raptors lost to Orlando, and the tweet said, the Raptors don't want to rebuild but are behind teams that have recently, Magic and OKC and others, Sacramento, Indiana, that have made big personnel moves to change their trajectory. Spurs have Wemby and picks. Utah has flexibility and picks. Raptors have Barnes and question mark. So, Grange, I'd love to hear your thoughts on sort of how (laughs) other rebuilding teams have sort of um, accelerated their timelines and almost completed their cycles of rebuilding versus during this time when the Raptors have largely kept the roster intact and try to move forward. Well, I think I think you know the the key there is when you is you got to be decisive, and then when you are decisive, be aggressive. And I think that's when you look at uh, some of these situations that seem to have worked out pretty well. That's the common thread. I mean, you know, Utah is still TBD, I guess, but you have to like their combination of draft flexibility going forward, and you know, they still have a pretty good roster, so there's all sorts of different things they could do. And, you know, then you look at Orlando just to, you know, it was only a couple of years ago they made that trade at the deadline with Chicago. And, you know, they timed it right. And they look like a team that, again, has a lot of good base of talent and picks ahead, a clean cap sheet, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, I think there are cases where it goes, uh, it doesn't work out or it seems to drag on forever. But, you know, I think if you believe in your ability as a front office, talent, evalu- talent evaluator, draft, drafter, all those things, like, it sort of seems like an opportunity to me. But you've got you've to choose that opportunity. Are you, do you feel right now, and look, this front office has preached patience, and they would probably tell us we're being impatient, they have a plan, et cetera. But are, I feel this way, so I'm going to ask you if you feel this way. The... The declining of picking one direction or the other. The way you phrase that tweet is basically to me, well, they are not as encouraging short-term as the teams that are good now, and they're not as encouraging long-term as the teams that have committed to being poor. And, and that's not just the 
you're a 41-win team for a couple years in a row. There has been an opportunity cost to these things, maybe not moving off of guys at the right time when their value was the highest, maybe signing a veteran instead of signing a, a younger player, or on the other end, not cashing in young chips and draft picks to be good now. Do, do you think the Raptors, even though things are okay right now, are feeling that kind of cost of having not picked the lane the last little bit? Uh, they certainly wouldn't tell you that. I mean, I think um, everything you say is, is is potentially true, and the real test of it will come, you know, in the coming months. Like, I, I don't think we're going to be having this conversation next year. <laughs> you know, I don't think we'll be having it in the summer. I think, you know, I think whatever, you know, I think what's going to be different between now and February 9th, whenever the trade deadline is, is it's going is that it's going to be different than it was last year. I think last year they were an open book. They were like, hey, let's see what's out there. Let's, uh, you know, let's kind of go shopping, basically. And in the end, they didn't like the sales, and so they, you know, they, they we know what they all did. I think that I'd be shocked if they went into that same period with the same mindset. I think, um, you know, when they get to that point, they'll have a good idea of what they're expecting for an outcome one way or the other. And, it, and that's when we're going to know, <laughs> you know, like, like if they end up having to make a move on any of the players we know are kind of most coveted and, and would, you know, kind of have their futures uncertain here, then we'll judge the return. And, and it could well be that uh, let's just say for an example, I'm not reporting, suggesting anything, but let's just say for an example, that you know, it does come time to move Pascal Siakam, and they end up finding a, uh, a trading partner, somebody that with somebody who wants Siakam's bird rights, and they expect him to sign long term. Uh, they wouldn't be able to sign him with free with cap space as a free agent, and the return ends up being what it probably should be for a really good player in his prime. Um, you know, multiple picks, good players, all that kind of thing. Well, we'll we'll go okay, yeah. You know, like her waiting. We don't know if waiting hurt them or not, but. It doesn't, didn't seem to have, like, completely, uh, you know, they didn't paint themselves in a corner. But the, the reverse is also true, Blake. I mean, I think we're all, that's what everyone's kind of anxious about is, is, you know, the time could come and whatever decision they make, you could kind of look at it and go, wow. I mean, uh, it seems like there were, the market might have been better if you'd traded one or any of these guys when they had an extra year on their deal. And, um, you know, you could have started this whole process sooner. Yeah. Um, well, if we look at the roster as is right now with the fit between Pascal and Scotty, um, it's probably one of my least favorite activities is after every game we evaluate this, but <laughs> we I don't mean, have to, by the way, it's it just so like, topical. Yeah. No, this is, it's, it's look, this is, we're going to provide what people want to hear about. And this is obviously an ongoing curiosity for everybody. So um, yeah, Grange, I, I wanted to ask you, like it, it, I think a lot of people have pointed out that it looks like um they kind of got to take turns. They don't really go off, I guess, together. I think Scotty got off to a really hot start. Pascal got off to a really cold start. Now Scotty's kind of fallen back to the pack, but Pascal's really emerged. What are your thoughts? Why is there this sort of push and pull? You know, I think that the the challenge there is, um, I mean, there's a couple of different things. I mean, one thing that is happening is is the offense is sort of unfolding the way you know, it's intended to. I mean, you've had multiple games now where you look back and it's, you know, it's five, six guys, you know, at 12 or four, you know, in that kind of 12 to 18 point range, the shot, the field goal distribution is, is pretty even relatively, you know, the assists are all up and all that kind of thing. So, so I think to me, 
it's possible for them to coexist. I think what I would be looking at is, you know, why are we worried about how our two best players coexist? Why aren't we more concerned about um, about finding players that coexist better with them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like uh, you know, if, if if I had two players like Barnes and Siakam playing the way they do, well, maybe I'd want to have bigs who could shoot. Maybe I'd want a point guard who could shoot. Um, I want people off the bench that could shoot, that could sort of create space for them in multiple uh, kind of lineups. So I think that's sometimes where we miss the force of the trees here is, you know, I don't think people are talking about Orlando. I don't think people sit around and talk in Orlando and worry that they have Paolo Boncaro and Franz Wagner, you know, like, oh, well, they kind of mm-hmm. have a lot of overlapping abilities. Yeah, I think they sit around and go, those guys are awesome, <laughs> right? And so it's about finding ways to kind of leverage what they do best with your complementary players. And I think that's, if you know, the way I would interpret it, to be honest. Well, then that raises the question, why were they so hot after Jakob Proto for like two years? Because I think they had Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> right? Like they had a point guard who could really shoot it. Okay. And, you know, I think he leveraged, we saw at the end of the last year, kind of leveraged a lot of pick-and-roll opportunities. And it made a certain amount of sense at that point. I think they wanted to see what that group would look like with a, you know, with a guy who could really defend. We know all the logic behind it. And things kind of unfold a little bit as they didn't expect over the summer. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean having Akinbert on your roster is a big problem. I mean, he's still oh, he played great last night. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's really good, right? But he's I mean, leads the league in field goal percentage right now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, again, again, and I would yeah. say the same thing with Dennis Schroeder. Like Dennis Schroeder is like I think he's probably been better than most would have expected signing him on a mid level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just how do you make these parts? fit and mesh together better and you know you see what these lineups look like when OG Ananobi's shooting the ball well and Gary Trent is playing a little bit more familiar that we've seen him play in the past and and all of a sudden you know the starting lineup looks really good or or the starters play Gary look really good Mm. um you know to me I think it's that they don't have enough uh complimentary players off the bench that can support um you know what they're trying to do with their starters and I think you know, they for whatever reason, they've just ended up in a situation where, um, you know, they don't have enough shooting with their ideal starting line. And you can't really resolve that problem short term because you have already given up a first and a bunch of seconds for Jakob Bertel. You're still out seconds from, you know, your luxury tax moves back in the championship year. You are not in a position, really, you're not good enough, I don't think, to justify outlaying more draft assets for those help. So you are in a, a tough spot here where unless someone really pops in the G League or, or there's a roster balancing trade available at the deadline, uh, you can't really address that. So I guess, Grange, my question would be then that, that follows from that is, um, look, we can obviously evaluate a lot of things still, but are there some things that we just won't be able to evaluate and appreciate properly because the pieces don't fit in the way that, you know, they probably will, you'd hope, down the line? I mean, I think you can evaluate that, you know, to circle back to the top of the discussion. I think if you, for hindsight, was, per, was 2020, um, the process they went through at the deadline last year, I, they probably chose the wrong path, right? Like, I think they probably should have, especially if it ends up coming around to that they have to move off, let's just, again, say Siakam or anyone else, 
um, that, you know, those options were available a year ago. Um, you know, I, I think the, there's, even if you end up with a decent return and all that, and who, you know, who ends, who knows who you end up drafting with what pick? Like, I mean, you always kind of do those reverse engineering things and, you know, somehow Giannis gets, is, <laughs> is a superstar with the 15th pick and who knew. Right. But, but I think what's indisputable is if that's the path that you end up having to go down for all a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, you've, you've, you've at least, I don't want to say wasted the year, but you know, you're a year behind where you potentially could have been. And that's something management would have to answer for, you know, like, uh, and I'm sure they would, right? Like nobody's perfect. You know, there's incredible amount of equity in this, that this front office has earned over more than a decade. But, you know, I think if you were to evaluate, every move in 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 isolation the past two or three years a lot of them are understandable and make some sense um but cumulatively i don't think that they've been uh like you know i don't think anyone's going to put that at the top line of their resume so um you know so I, but that's you know that's just us sitting here now talking like it you know like i say they could go at the trade red line hit it out of the park and It'd be one discussion. They could go win 11 of the next 12 games. We probably have another discussion again. So, um, but I think it's reasonable to say if you were to go, you know, kind of blow by blow from say the trade deadline of, you know, 22, 23, is that it? 20, 20, whatever, two years ago when they went 48 wins, you know, till now, you know, you're looking for the, it's, it's hard to look at all those decisions and go, they were all the right ones. I guess what's really been confusing for uh, a lot of people, fans, us included, is just, like, the overall direction. Because you, you even mentioned, like, okay, bringing Yak really makes sense because it helps Fred in the pick and roll. Um, and it helps other things, too. I'm not trying to say that he that's the only thing he does. But, I mean, less than three months later, Fred is gone, and now you have Yak as a spacing concern for the main two guys. If you were looking to make an acquisition at that time, you would need to look longer term and look at your two top players, which is Pascal and Scotty. Um, even going back two trade deadlines ago, it was, okay, we have Goran Dragic. He's burning a hole in our pocket. He's saying, I got higher ambitions. Um, and, you know, now we have to flip him at the deadline and we slide down 10 picks in the draft to get, uh, you know, Thad Young, which makes sense in the moment, but it's like a very short-term ad- addition. Uh, even though the Raptors did re-sign him, they don't play him anymore. Um, so I-, I think that's the confusion because people kind of see this team as sort of like standing in one place. But I mean, again, what the team as is right now, because the trade deadline is so far away, um, we're seeing Pascal emerge more as the first option, um, especially over the last 10 games or so. Range, is, is that what should be the case for the Raptors in the short term? Or, or even in the long term, but especially for this season, is that what the Raptors? Well, I, should be? I mean, unless I'm missing something, it's not a rebuilding team, right? Yeah, <laughs> like right. they don't have know, their it's pick a premature this year. team. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot of guys on some pretty good money de- deals. Like this is a team that's ex- that is trying to win, and so you know, commensurate with that, you, I think what's happened has been quite organic. Is you know, I was actually just talking with Darko about this today. Is is you know, when you look at Siakam's post-up numbers, for example, um, the percentage of times he's posting up is at least 50% more than, than any year he's had in the NBA. And it's like nearly 60% more like uh, on a possession basis than even the last two years. Um, and I, But, I, you know, but you listen to Darko, he says none of that is intentional. 
It's all about finding, um, you know, organic opportunities, finding mismatches, using them. And then, and the way some of those post-ups, for example, are developing are, it's not about, you know, somebody holding their finger in the air and it goes to Siakam on the block. Everyone else watches. It's, you know, Siakam will be cutting, there's a switch, and he doesn't get the ball, but he ends up with, you know, uh, a good mismatch. And so he'll stop and post up then. Things like that. A lot of times the floor will be spread. He'll dribble into a post-up. It's not a classic post-up, but it's something that really works for him. His efficiency is really good out of that. So if you're on a team that's expecting to to win, trying to win, then why would you de-emphasize that to, you know, kind of kind of shove a round peg into a square hole in terms of what you might opportunities you might look for with Scotty, for example. So. and then I think it's fine too. Like I mean, I think Scotty's strengths—we've always talked about being a connector, doing all the multiple things he does. Um, so you know, I don't—I don't see it as a conflict. It shouldn't be a conflict. They're both pretty unselfish players. Um, but yeah, so I would say where the Raptors are now is kind of where they should be. They're trying to find the best way to maximize their best players at the most opportunities in the last, you know. 10, 11 games or so, it's been, you know, Siakam's been the guy who's who's kind of carried a lot of that offense for good reason. Yeah, that's well said, Grinch. Uh, we got to let you go. We're out of time. Uh, and that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, thanks once again to Jerome, Krina, uh, TMU for helping organize the basketball event, uh, Michael Grange, our producers. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back to talk more Raptors one.